Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We're here with a medical episode. And this episode is all about your cats that tend to eat things other than food. And you know who they are. They chew on things. They eat the hair bands. They eat cat toys and all kinds of things. And that is a interesting behavior called pica. And here to talk to us about pica today from a medical perspective is Dr. Brian Hurley, and he is the National Medical Director for AmeriVet Veterinary Partners. So welcome to the show, Dr. Hurley. Nice to see you again, Molly. You too. We're always happy to have you on and help us unwind these weird cat behavior (laughs) mysteries from a medical standpoint. (laughs) Well, we try our best anyway, right? All right. And this is an interesting one. And uh, before we jump into what might be causing it, because actually there isn't really any solid scientific data on why this behavior happens, but there's a lot of, a lot of theories on that. Tell us from a, a veterinarian's perspective, what, what happens when you see a patient that's got pica? You know, as with any you know disease process. So when we have a cat that the owner is asking questions centered around uh, whether it's sucking on blankets or chewing ribbon. And, and we're not just talking about these individual episodes because anything can intrigue a cat to chase a hair ribbon for the first time, but it doesn't become a behavior. You know, with pica, what we're really looking for are those cats that are consistently chewing, sucking, eating things that would not be typical of their diet. Um, And you touched on a lot of them, whether it's a cardboard, fabric, paper, plants, plastic being a huge one because they love like the milk carton tabs if they're thrown on, you know, on the floor. But rubber and wood, all those things are things that we're constantly listening for, um, along with why does my cat do, you know, particularly the ones, the most common ones we hear, they're either sucking on blankets or pillows and keeping them up at night because they're in bed with them. And but isn't want- that, it, it doesn't suckling, the wool sucking kind of thing, isn't that I mean, is that in the pica category? Because they're not actually ingesting that material, right? They're sometimes, just suckling on it. Sometimes they do, you know, because they're ingesting. Because if you think about like blankets and even wool, you're getting those fibers that are, that are going to go into the system. And one of the things that we're always concerned with, when they're eating and ingesting these objects, we're concerned with obstruction, Right. Because the body typically isn't set up to digest those. And we're constantly worried that it's going to obstruct the intestines, which is one of the big things that 
concern us anytime they're ingesting. But even with things that they're not fully like tearing apart and eating whole pieces, there's that accumulative effect where, you know, they're sucking and taking fibers in and all these other things that now the body has to deal with. So then we get the gastric upsets and intestinal upsets and the diarrheas and things like that. So you're right in that pica is just not the sucking behavior, but it is a component of, you know, why cats start being attracted to these, you know, these objects. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what percentage of pica patients, like, like, you know, real obsessively eating things, pica patients end up in obstruction surgery? I, I think pica in and of itself, we don't, you know, it's not this rampant thing that we're seeing all the time in practice. I think it makes up a small component of things. But I think you have a high likelihood if they're ingesting these materials. Uh, you know, for instance, ribbon becomes a big one, you know, around Christmas time that um, or birthdays or whenever ribbon is available, they just seem to want to go after those. And once they enter the system, usually they're going to create a problem. And so that's where we see a high likelihood of them ending up in surgery. A direct percentage, I would only be guessing. Yeah. Well, it's probably high because if they're if they've brought the cat to a vet in the first place, it's probably because they're suspecting a, an obstruction versus it passing through. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, and the cat's intestines are smaller than the dogs. And so it doesn't take a big piece of anything to potentially create the problem, particularly as it continues passing down and trying to make that transition from small intestines to large intestines. That's the most, you know, one of the common places where even the smaller, uh, you know, pieces of plastic potentially could, you know, cause that obstruction. Yeah. My cats, I would call him a, opportunistic pica cat because he, he you know, the Christmas ribbon, as you said, the curling ribbon in particular, not, not wide ribbon, but the curling ribbon, he will go insane for, I mean, more, almost more than his licking lap treats. I've had to actually conceal it in a box that he can't get to because if he sees it, he just goes for it and he chews it off and then, and then eats it. But long as I keep it away you know, and, and not there, then he won't eat it. And, and I have lots of clients that, that come to me for this, this behavior, this problem. And it does seem like eating plastic bags and plastic is a, is a real common texture and item that, that pica cats like to eat. So short of, I mean, obviously one of the first things I tell them is, well, don't leave that stuff laying out. I mean, you know, right? what, what else do you, as a medical doctor, when you have a patient that you've had to treat for pica, what do you typically recommend for them? It's very similar to a lot of our disease processes. We always, first and foremost, will look at the medical side of things. So let, let's set 
obstruction aside, because that's kind of different. They're presenting because the cat is vomiting or not using the litter box anymore. You know, no stool being produced. And we're looking for the medical obstruction that we're going to need to resolve with surgery. But when we're just talking about it in general, what we want to do is kind of your standard workup where you're looking at blood work, stool samples, urine, thyroid levels, because we do know that disease processes, particularly some of our endocrine disorders like hyperthyroidism, diabetes, um, anemias, that might lead to them seeking out other things to, in this case, chew on and potentially ingest. You know, we're taking histories, looking at diet, because while I think it's less common that diet's going to play a role in it, there's still times where if you're not asking, you may not identify maybe a subpar diet that's being fed that could also be leading to our cats wanting to seek out uh, another alternative. And another big one is just internal parasites. I mean, some of these are really simple things to look at. And some of them are getting easier and easier to even treat because, you know, newer drugs are coming on the market. And so we want to rule those things out first and foremost, understanding that my, in my experience and practice, the large majority of them end up becoming more of a behavioral type um, you know, issue and behavior is still a medical condition that, you know, we hear more and more about, you know, in humans and dogs and cats that, you know, we know that anxiety and stress and boredom create some of these behaviors too. And so, but we don't want to miss, you know, those obvious things. And so that's kind of how I would approach this upfront knowing in my head that I feel nine out of 10 times, I'm probably going to find a a behavioral component more so than a medical component. Mm -hmm. And has there been any recent research about what causes it? I mean, we really don't know. It's not, I mean, I guess it could be a nutritional deficiency. So, I mean, you know, what, why does one cat want to eat plastic and another one not, you know, does it have to do with them being weaned too early or. <laughs> when you see it in those younger cats, I think that's one of the the thought processes is, you know, they do it because they're comforting themselves very similar to that some fucking in a baby, you know, they're just looking for something. It does have that physiologic impact on the brain where the behavior gives them this feeling of euphoria. And then that creates wanting to do the behavior more because it has this positive thought in their brain and they're enjoying it. And so why wouldn't they not want to do it? I haven't read any recent research about it. Um, you know, other than what you said at the very beginning, we just, no one really fully understands why they would seek those particular things out uh, because they just seem so odd. You know, I think if you think about it, why would you want to 
eat a plastic bag. I mean, that's right. the first thing I would go for. I had a, I mean, you know, and you think about it in dogs. I had a dog that, you know, ate a sock once. I mean, stuff right. like that. Like you expect it in dogs because they're chewers, where a cat's right. not not typically a, a chewer. But I, I had a, a client once with a cat that that was eating towels, like Terry towels, to the point that she had to crate him when she wasn't at home because she was worried he was eating towels and her pillow. So this poor cat was living in a crate most of its life because she was trying to keep it safe and keeping, you know, those it away from those things it was eating. You know, I, 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 uh, I, I tell people too, to be very, very careful how much they're rewarding unwanted behaviors, right? right? Because I think that cats do things a whole lot of the time to get our attention, right? right. I, you know, we I think we tend to think of them as a low maintenance, easy to care for species, and they're just going to be over there and be a pretty couch decoration and not need a lot, when in fact, they really do need a lot. And if we're not providing them with enough enrichment, then I think they learn to do things that make us pay attention to them. And so I always, you know, it's it's hard to say, don't pay attention to your cat eating the plastic bag. I mean, obviously you have to take it away from them and put it away, but I think it could be attention seeking in some cases. I absolutely. And that falls back into that behavioral component. Uh, and, and I think you're right. We, we make that assumption and a lot of people go, well, I really don't have time for a dog because I need to take them out and they're going to want to play and they're going to want to do all these things. And we do. I think we take cats for granted in in a lot of situations because we think, well, you know, we can leave food out, water, they have their litter box. They'll be just fine. And I think that's okay. I don't think that's a necessarily a bad thing because in the majority of instances, you do that. That's just that's acceptable. Like the, the cat thrives in that environment. It's when things become a problem that all of a sudden we start talking about these things of oh, you need to play with your cat. W what do you mean? I I got the cat because I figured they could play and entertain themselves. Right. So so I think you're right, and you know it's. When, when I'm always talking to, to pet owners, it's about starting things off on the right foot. You know, I'm not saying get, you know, go find your feline friend and then just dote on them all day long or every waking moment. But setting up some interaction, because let's face it, we really do get these pets for that human pet bond. That's really where pets have moved to that you want to have that. And the more we concentrate on doing those things, the less likely we would have to talk about pica and some of the other things that we may talk about because they do want some social behavior, even out in the wild, you know, they're in, they have, dens and they have all these things they're not just solely going out there by themselves they have family out there and they're still social and um and we need to remember that 
Well, and I think too, you were saying that they there's this component of them liking it, whether that's mouthfeel or it, you know, it it's triggering that serotonin somehow that they're going, oh, eating this plastic or whatever it is, I like it, it feels good. And, you know, I, I, when a cat delivers a kill bite to its prey, it's scientifically proven that that releases serotonin in their brain. And of course they like it. It's good. They love to hunt, love to deliver a kill bite. And so I always say that's one of the reasons you pray play with your cat a couple of times a day, because it's in the wild, it's out there hunting about six hours a day. And every time it's delivering that kill bite, it's getting that serotonin boost. And it may not have an opportunity to get a lot of serotonin in the house. And so if maybe the eating plastic is causing that, um, maybe some additional prey play, you know, will, will help alleviate it. It, yes, I I think you're absolutely right. And I think we have to remember that we need to do our due diligence just like we do with our with our dogs and with our young kids and our babies making sure that you're kind of house proofing a little bit you know because I think that plays a big role if they don't have access to those things but giving them something that you feel is safe to have can help um you know I I believe cats are no different. You can't just arbitrarily think any toy you give to a dog, they're going to play with it the right way. Right. Um, And if you're, if you give a large dog, something small enough in their play in, even if it's an accident, they're going to end up swallowing it. Um, And so you have to make sure you're, you're picking uh, pet appropriate things for them to, to to entertain themselves with and hopefully in the case of cats you're actually getting them to play which is now that human pet bond because they definitely want something to move and let's say you know if you go and get them one of those little cloth mice things just gonna lay on the floor they'll bat it a few times but if you can start moving it around uh it becomes a lot more fun for them yeah And those mice, you know, the little fur covered mice, they have that little tiny plastic body in there, that mold that they go around. I've had two cats eat that plastic mold. Thankfully, it went through and didn't cause obstruction. But um, but yeah, those are those are tough. Now, when you were talking about house proofing, which I think is obvious, you know, uh, same thing too, when they always tell me that the cat's peeing on the boyfriend's clothes and I go, well, where's the boyfriend's clothes? And they say on the floor. And I'm like, well, tell your boyfriend to pick his clothes up or hang them <laughs> up in the closet, for goodness sakes. I mean, that's where you want to start. It's, you know, it's kind of keep, keep the things out of the way. But, you know, a lot of people will try cayenne pepper and Tabasco and, you know, that spray pepper sauce. Are there things like that that you recommend or think are yeah there's the bitter apples there you know there there are certain uh deterrents that are over the counter that that uh pet uh pet owners can pick up and 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 try but you know some of them may not be effective one two you know depending some can maybe be an irritant and create a problem 
And that's where I said, sometimes it's just the basic, if you know your cat likes the plastic bags after you come back from the grocery store, it's being cognizant, put the groceries away and then put that bag somewhere where the cat can't get to it. Right. Unfortunately, sometimes it's just that simple Mm. Um, because it's not like they're, they're seeking out just anything. They start to get these preferences and as you identify them, make them harder for them to, to get to is really the best. We can talk about dietary changes. We can do broad spectrum deworming. I think it's a great idea even in the face of a, 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 a non-seen fecal. And I say non-seen because our stool samples are only going to pick up about 80% of positive infections, right? So we may not, that one stool sample we're testing, we may not see it. And our labs don't report any more negative. They say non-seen, meaning, hey, in this sample, we see nothing. So that's where even annual deworming's just as a you know prophylactic type treatment if there's anything there kind of knocks it out that could help solve those problems. So we know we can do that. Um if we've ruled out all the all the medical causes um and start thinking about those behavioral not only getting in touch with somebody like you who deals in feline behavior um on a daily basis but it's also working with the veterinarian because we do have behavioral modification drugs that could help, particularly if it's a stress or anxiety related, you know, problem, but it's not to necessarily to be the thing. And this is why I love relationships with behaviorists is because the, the, the medications are supposed to be an aid while trying to desensitize to a behavior, yes. not, not the drug solves the problem. Therefore, yeah, you know, don't do anything else. We know that that's human nature. It's the, the if it fixes it, why do the harder work? Right. <laughs> but but yeah. I make yeah. those recommendations. <laughs> and, and I totally agree. Cause I think it's typically, you know, anxiety, boredom, that kind of thing. And if you're not treating the root cause, then, you know, gabapentin or something to kind of, you know, make the cat sleepy. So it might not be seeking out stuff as often or, or reducing the anxiety from a, a, a drug perspective it is not fixing the problem. It, it's a bandaid over a, a festering wound. So it's always good, I think, to go in and and have someone like myself do a environmental check. Is is this cat have enough enrichment? What's going on in this cat's life? And you know, are there ways that we can we can make this cat less bored and less anxious from an environmental standpoint, so that it doesn't seek out these weird things to eat? Right and. I tend one of my favorite uh, topics when I'm going to our national meetings or our big conferences, I do like to sit on, on behavior mm-hmm. on, on, on both sides, but I always find it interesting, you know, sitting in on feline behavior because they talk about and, and reiterate, do they have enough litter boxes 
in the house based on the number of cats that plays a role. Do we truly know what the interaction from cat to cat is really? Because the more cats you have, you do kind of have the submissive cat. You have the the leader of the pack or the dominant cat. And sometimes that can create problems. And they say you need to really kind of have the owner watch for those interactions. Do you have a cat when it walks into the room, everybody else leaves every single time because now, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe that's something to look at. And then one of the big ones that I saw was just things like giving them places to escape. So having shelving that might be attached to the wall that they can get to different levels because they like to be up higher to survey the area. Um, All those things, every once in a while, I'll get one and go, wow, you know, I never thought about adding levels of escape. Oh, yeah. Um, And when you do that, it's real important in a multi-cat household that they have two exit routes at every time. So, so no cat can get trapped up there. Like we have, we have a one cat household, but you see the steps that go up the wall to that bed above the window. So he has a couple of those around the house. Now, if I had more than one cat, I would have to have steps coming down the other side so that nobody would get trapped up there and and cornered into a confrontation. And the same too, when we work with behavior cats in a shelter, you know, a lot of it's, it's common shelter practice to provide uh, a hide house, right. For, for cats. Well, the problem with that, if you've got a cat that's extremely stressed and, and I'm coming at it to work with it, even though I'm coming at it with a treat it can't escape. And we don't ever want the cat to be forced to participate. So I like the hide boxes that have two big holes on each side. So if the cat is really so stressed, he's not ready for that yet, he can exit and we're not flooding, you know, cause that's, we want to stay out there. But I think it's super important to, to remind people too, that for whatever reason, pica is a natural behavior for your cat right? So it's never something to punish. You can't yell at your cat or spray it with water or anything like that and expect that to work to make it to stop eating the things. That's just going to increase the stress in your cat because for whatever reason, the cat thinks that eating the plastic is the right thing to do. And and if you are punishing a, a cat for a natural behavior, like peeing outside the litter box because some bully is blocking the pathway, then the cat gets totally confused and it just erodes your relationship with them. They're not making that connection with that positive punishment. So I think it's real important to to include punishment in this case is not appropriate for the behavior either. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, as, as we think about all the, disease processes or all the things that cats do, right? We've mentioned this time and time again, anything can, anything can end up being something that needs to be addressed medically in a cat. And oftentimes the symptoms are the same. So we look at other parameters to try to determine, Hey, do we have to go in that medical direction? But and we know that even peeing outside the litter box may be the sign that that is medically 
generated. The amazing thing in cats is once you rule out the medical, they tend to be impacted by the behavioral component, like you said, because that inappropriate litter box behavior or the pica, all those things um, are those indications of them trying to talk to us and let us know, hey, something something's awry and we need to do it. And and to your point, I think the, the good news is pica does not have to be like, oh my goodness, you know, we need to 100% stop this. What we need to be able to do is say, we're aware of this behavior. We'll rule out the medical. We'll make some adjustments. And then we're going to minimize the risk of the, the big medical issue, which is obstruction. Right. And, you know, and if we kind of look at it that way, it doesn't have to be this, oh my goodness moment. It's just, let's, let's take the right steps to try to help. And we may find something that we weren't doing that could, you know, could alter the frequency and the, and the risk. Right. Exactly. Thankfully, I've never had to go through an obstruction surgery with my cat because I, I hear about it and and it's not only very expensive, but it's probably very invasive too, right? Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in the scheme of it, it's a, it's major surgery. And the issue that we do have with our felines, because they like strain, because they like ribbon. I mean, I'd much rather a cat swallow a marble or... You know, I've seen, um, now I'm drawing a blank, but I'd much rather them swallow something that's easy to go in and remove. When you have ribbon and string, it usually gets anchored somewhere and then it starts to impact links of their intestines, which then oftentimes either means you're making multiple cuts into the intestines or sometimes removing links of intestines that really does set them up for higher risk of complications. Uh, and so that's where I think in cats, I get very nervous with linear style foreign bodies, which is the more common type that we're going to see in a cat versus a golf ball or a rock or a coin or something like that, that our dogs tend to enjoy becoming instructed with. Yeah. Always at Christmas time, when people bring gifts over or send presents that are wrapped in that curling ribbon, I cut it off immediately and put it in the outside trash can. <laughs> because right. I'm just not even going to risk him going under there and finding it as he's obsessed with the stuff. <laughs> I remember when we had our cat, AJ, um, we would have family members over or friends over during Christmas time. And then they'd kind of be looking at our tree and they'd go, have you guys not been able to buy lights and ornaments and all that for the lower part of your tree? <laughs> and we're like, no, it's because we have a cat. Right. And AJ used to love, you know, we just learned early on, he would start chewing on the lights because yeah. he found enjoyment in it. Or his favorite was batting the Mm -hmm. ornaments off the bottom of the tree and then chasing them around the house and ultimately they'd break and and yeah so again we had to alter our behavior right 
but it's always funny because everybody, no one ever thought, hey, they have a cat. They just thought, do you not like decorating your entire tree? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like having a two-year-old. You know, we had our our 16-month-old grandchild over who was walking around Christmas tree. And of course, you know, worse than the cat grabbing. I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about removing all those fragile glass ornaments. So yeah, we, we have to do that too. Is there anything, I wonder, is there anything that is that like maybe charcoal tablets or something high fiber that if a cat ingests something will help move it through? Sometimes you can balk the intestines up with things like fiber, particularly when you're dealing with something like a piece of uh, the milk carton ring, mm-hmm. you know, something like that can potentially help that pass through. Um, I do think that in, in our, in our felines, you know, I, th- I think size and the intestines really dictate what's going to create the problem, but our, our pets, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, I remember one time one of our, uh, employees pets ended up eating a ton of carpet mm-hmm. and, for sure knew that it was going to need uh, surgery. And yet the pet just threw it all up and Mm -hmm. the body took care of itself. And so, you know, has two places to come out if, you know, possible. And you hope that in the body's attempt to fix the problem, it doesn't create more of a problem, you Mm -hmm. know, because, you know, again, even if they're throwing it back up, that's just one more chance of something negative happening that then you have to go in and fix too, you know? So right. it's always that fine line, but yeah, I think there's, there's, uh, you know, fiber and, uh, you know, I've used things like, um, you know, laxatone and things like that to try to move things through, you know, systems where I felt that there was a better chance. Like I said, it, it's, I wouldn't just without contacting your veterinarian, you know, you always want to make sure your veterinarian is agreeing. So if you're going to try something like that, yeah. just so they're aware and, and agree, because sometimes I'll go, yeah, no, I much rather, I mean, I know I hate to tell you surgery is probably the best way to do it. Well, yes, you could have failure. Here's the complications that may occur if we wait for that moment. Right. So how long, if someone has a cat that they suspect has eaten a non-food item and, you know, cause cats typically uh, produce stool once a day seems to be kind of average. How long do they wait then before they make an appointment with their veterinarian to, to wait to see if it passes through on its own? I mean, if you're suspecting something has gone through, I would always say, first and foremost, are are they continuing to eat, drink, and pass stool? I mean, that is, things are going to move through the system fairly quickly after, you know, eating. So then that, you know, I, I would expect 24, 48 hours, you should be able to find, mm-hmm. you know, that thing, you know, so even in, you know, in our dogs, if we know that they swallowed um, a, you know, picked an eye off of a stuffed animal or whatever, just making something up that I'll literally tell owners, 
okay, here's the fun part. Put on some gloves and <laughs> keep certain. But I've told cat owners the same thing. We we want to be sure that it's not there because I've seen foreign bodies that aren't creating enough of a problem to um, stop the eating, drinking, or the ability to uh, for them to use the bathroom. But because it stays there for a longer period of time is creating more of a local where it's at issue and then ultimately does create more of a problem, you know, down the road. I mean, I've, I've seen foreign bodies that, you know, all of a sudden the owner goes, oh, my God, that was six months ago that. Oh, wow. You know, that they ate that and um, they just made the assumption it had passed. And so. You know, if you're truly ex- expecting it, two, three days, still if anything, the safest thing always is, hey, x-ray oftentimes will identify it. And, you know, if you don't see anything, you don't see any obstructive behavior, you don't see anything of concern, then you can kind of breathe that sigh of relief and, you know, go from there. Because the other thing we never know is, do they go off somewhere and throw up and you just haven't found it yet. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, um, cats. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's why like when you give a pill, it's like, did you really like, right. <laughs> did you watch and did you make sure they swallowed because, and then did you watch them for a little bit because did they go spit it up somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, this has been good. So I think yeah. bottom line is if your cat is eating non-food items, there's no easy answer as to why, because there's really not any uh, scientific or medical data on what's motivating them to do that. Could be diet, could be nutrition, could be boredom, anxiety, any number of things, attention seeking. So first, if you have an event, definitely get your cat to your veterinarian as soon as possible, get an x-ray, make sure that there are no foreign bodies in your cat's GI or intestinal system, and then uh, and then give me a call, and we'll go over all the behavior components and make sure your cat's not doing this behavior because of something else going on, lacking in the environment. Um, but most importantly, keep out of reach whatever the items are that your cat is is targeting, because that's the that's the best thing. So. Thank you for joining us today. This has been an interesting episode of PICA. (laughs) My pleasure. All right. Thank you for tuning in today. And until next time, keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. 
visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 